Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I'm Tom, if you don't know me, and Andy has asked me to speak this morning to finish up a little three-week series that we've been doing about what we call the DNA of CCM. So the DNA is what's really core to who we are, and we've got three words that we use to describe it. Devotion, community, and mission. And where we get these things from are two things that Jesus said, and these were uh, two of his biggest instructions that he gave to his followers. The first one we call the great commandment. And this is when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing in the law? And he said, well, actually there's two. One of them is love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And we we take that idea of loving God and we call that devotion. And he said, the second one then is love your neighbor as yourself. And we call that community. And then the other thing that Jesus said is what we call the great commandment, where he said, go and make disciples of all nations, and we call that mission. And so I've been asked this morning to speak about mission, because over the last two weeks we've heard teaching on devotion and community. It would just help me to have a little show of hands. So whether you were here in person, whether you've caught up with it later with the recording, just stick your hand in the air if you heard Andy two weeks ago teaching about devotion. Anyone hear that? Okay, that's a good number in the room has heard that teaching. Same question then for last week on community. How many of you have heard Andy's teaching on community? Again, a good number of you. I thought they were magnificent. If you haven't heard those two messages, go back, get the recording. It's all up there on the CCM website. And uh, Andy's first sermon in the series where he was talking about devotion, he spent a lot of time telling the history of this site, of this community, how it started as a, a little prayer group in Catherine's living room and grew out from that, the different places that we've met, the different people who've come in. And he took us through the whole story. It felt to me like a State of the Union address or like a general gathering the troops ready for the charge. It was brilliant, Andy. Well done. Um, But I don't know if any of you, when Andy was telling that story, and particularly as he got to the bit over the last few years, how we've landed here in the Heatons, and how we've had new people join the church, and he was talking about why that happened, and where all these people have come from, and how a church of our style in this area was attractive to people, and coming out of lockdown, people were looking for new churches, and we've we've had people added to our number. Did anyone else spot the elephant in the room? Or was I the only one listening to that thinking, yeah, this is all great. You've not really mentioned new people coming to know Jesus and joining the church. That that wasn't in the story that was being told. And really the reason that wasn't in the story that Andy told is because Andy was telling the true story. He was being honest about where the growth has come from. It generally has been people who were part of another church, whether moving into the area or uh, for whatever reason needed to find a new community, have come and gathered 
in this place. Now, I want to say straight up, that is not a bad thing. We want to be a place where people can find a home and can find a community, whatever the reason is that they need one. That's not a bad thing at all. But I did notice it's a bit different to the story that I read of the early church in the book of Acts. And when they talk about the growth that they experienced, we get phrases like, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I read that, I'd like a bit of that. I want to see that happening here. We see phrases like the word of God increased greatly. Don't we want that to happen? Let me just leave a question lingering. Think about the next year of this site. How many people do you think we should be seeing baptised over the next year? Just think about it. Your number might be different to the person sitting next to you, but it's probably more than we've seen baptised over the last year, isn't it? We want to grow in this. So what I want to do is read the Great Commission. I want to read those verses from Matthew 28. And then I want to just think about how is mission going here at CCM Heaton. So Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, that's going to be our text for today. Uh, please do turn in your Bible, or it should be on the screen. So verse 18, Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the call to mission. So do you think mission is happening? Anyone think mission's happening? I do. I think mission is happening here at CCM Heaton. So uh, in our community group, the one that Andy was just pitching before uh, the sermon, um, we've got a little WhatsApp group for, for that community group. And a few days ago, John Mann posted into that WhatsApp group, Hey everyone, um, I've just been in a taxi, I was having a great conversation with the taxi driver, I was able to share my faith with him, was able to pray for him, um, could, could you all pray for him as well? That's mission, right? That's happening, that's somebody in their day-to-day -day business sharing their faith. Brilliant. Or a few days ago, Hillary was telling the story about how she got to share with a work colleague about the love of God. It's mission, right? It's happening. People are having these conversations. Emma recently had the opportunity to share with a dad on the school and all about church and what it's like. That's mission. It's happening. I had one recently where uh, after a swim, I went into the health suite and a, a, another bloke came in and started talking to me. And uh, I, I shared my faith. I told him, you need to get back on track with God, mate. He used to be, uh, like, uh, as a kid, going to church and stuff. Uh, and his life had gone uh, in different directions. But uh, I encouraged him back into church. And then a little while after that, he met a guy from uh, Gorton site who basically had exactly the same conversation with him that I did. And then a few weeks ago, he showed up at church. Mission is happening. And I bet there are lots of examples like that. So I've shared the ones that have just come onto my radar in the last few days. Heard stories, seen WhatsApp messages. I bet there are tons of these things happening that I haven't heard about because little seeds have been sown. People are living out God's mission. That's good. That's a good thing. If we're being honest, 
I think we see all of these things happening and we still say we're a fair way short of where we want to be when it comes to mission. When it comes to reaping and seeing people become Christians, give their life to Jesus, we're a long way short. We've not seen anywhere near enough of that happening. Even taking the seed sowing, I think we want to see that increased, right? I certainly have a longing and a sense that others do as well. We want to be having more of those conversations, more frequently with more people and having more cut through when we do, right? We want to see mission grow. So let's talk about it. This last summer, uh, I went to a, a leaders conference. It was um, the network that we're part of gathered the leaders of different churches together. I had a couple of days of fellowship and teaching, and it, it was a good time. And the keynote speakers were a couple called Harry and Audrey Brown. Uh, and they lead New Generations, which is a, a movement of um, churches, planting churches, planting churches, Disciples making disciples making disciples, based out of Los Angeles, um, but they've had impact all over the world. And the numbers that they've seen are incredible. Like they've seen thousands of churches planted as a result of this movement. A couple of million people give their life to Jesus through all these churches that have been in their movement. Incredible. So I, like, I want to listen to what these guys have to say. And so they get up, and um, Harry's doing the talk, and he's like, right, what I want to talk about is how we make disciples. And right, I've got a confession to make. My heart absolutely sank. I was like, oh, do we have to? Uh, and that might seem a bizarre reaction to words that were in the actual passage that I've read today. But here's the thing, right? If you do like the Christian leadership conference circuit, there are certain things that you just get a bit kind of tired of that come up over and over and over again. And this has been the trendy one post-COVID. Like pretty much every conference you go to is all about, right, we need to do better at making disciples. Let's talk about how we do that. And what usually happens when you get a making disciples talk is you get someone come up. And I'm going to kind of exaggerate the talk a little bit. They don't say this out loud, but this is the quiet bit, kind of behind the out loud bit. It's like, right, everyone, you're all rubbish. Your churches are rubbish. You should stop doing your church. Just do something else instead. I'm going to tell you what to do instead. You need to make disciples instead of doing church. So close your church down. Uh, just go and meet up someone in a coffee shop. Do a Bible study with them and then tell them to go and do it with someone else. You'll see loads more people saved than by doing church the way you do church. That's basically the kind of quiet bit behind the out loud or my cynical take on it anyway. So when Harry Brown gets up and says, right... When I talk about making disciples, I'm like, oh no, oh no, I like our church, I want to carry on doing church the way we do. There's good things about church, like don't tell us to stop. And what Harry Brown did is he, he got up there and he, he said, right, I want to talk about making disciples, but I'm not going to give you a new model. I'm not going to tell you about a new structure because the heart of making disciples isn't about a model. It isn't about a structure. I, I want to give you something that can work in the church that you're in, the way your church is. If you could do this, then this will work. I'm like, right, okay, this is the disciple-making talk for me. I'm on board now, right? What is it? You've got this grand strategy. What do we have to change? What do we have to do differently if we're going to see two million new people become Christians? And that's kind of the, uh, the scale he was working on. There'd be one-liners in there like, Oh, yeah, yeah, you could plant a mega church, but in the scheme of things, the numbers aren't that big, so don't worry about that. We're going to talk millions. That's kind of his framework. He's like, I've got a strategy for it. Okay, I'm all ears. His strategy was this. 
Ordinary people making disciples with your neighbours, with your work colleagues, and with your friends. He said, if every ordinary believer, every Christian, knew how to lead another person to Christ and was doing it on a semi-regular basis, what do you think would happen? What would happen to this church if, let's say, over the next three years, each of us led one person to Jesus? Well, I mean, I did maths. You double it, right? Because if everyone does it, then you've got twice as many people. And what if everyone in every other CCM site did the same? And what if everyone in every church did the same? How many Christians are there in the country? If everyone did it, wow, we've that's amazing. That's way more than changing a model or a structure can do. So all we need, the core strategy is as simple as this. We just need all of us to know how to share our faith and to then go and do it. And then the kingdom will grow. And here's the thing, right? As I was reflecting on this kind of groundbreaking approach that he shared, I thought, you know what? That's not all that groundbreaking, is it? That's always been the strategy. That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus got uh, a smallish number of people and he taught them to share their faith. Mark 1, verse 17, first thing he said when he called them is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll show you how to win other people to the kingdom of God. And so he trained them into the ministry. So... If we're going to be doing this, if we're going to be on track with mission, I think there are three things that we need. Okay? Number one, I think we need to get the mindset for it. I need just get into our head. Oh, this is the plan. It's not just that Andy's going to do all the mission and we'll cheer him on, that together, each one of us are on mission. We need the mindset. Secondly, we need some opportunities to actually do it. We need to be finding times, finding spaces, finding conversations where we can share our faith. Thirdly, we need some help from the Holy Spirit because we can't do it on our own. So that's where we're going this morning. Let's start with the mindset then. Jesus wanted his disciples to see that being on mission wasn't an add-on, but was a core identity of following him. That's what the fishers of men thing was saying. And I wonder if you've ever done this, right? I love reading the Gospels, and particularly I love reading the bits after Jesus rose from the dead. He had about six weeks with his disciples after his resurrection before he ascended to heaven. You'd think those six weeks were pretty crucial, right? You know this is the time. Whatever you need to get through into their heads, that's the moment to do it. What's he going to talk about? Have you ever read the conversations Jesus had with his disciples after he rose from the dead? Because they're a bit samey. Like you read them in the Gospels and uh, in Matthew there's one set of wording, in Mark there's another, in Luke. They, they all word it differently, but he basically kept coming back to the same two things. First one is this, you're going to go and tell everybody about what I've done. Secondly, I'll give you the Holy Spirit to help you. So you're going to go on mission and the Holy Spirit will help. And that impulse to share faith is there right throughout the Gospels. So think about Andrew. He was one of the first people to follow Jesus. And, uh, he'd been introduced to Jesus. He'd spent a day with him. And then what did he do? This is John 1, verses 41 and 42. It says, he first found his own brother Simon. And he said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. 
First impulse. He's met with Jesus like, whoa, this guy's amazing. Right, I'd best go and tell my brother and get him to see this good news that I found. I think about the woman who met Jesus at the well. And Jesus had prophetic insight into all her life. He offered her love and compassion that she'd been longing for. And it says this, John 4. So the woman left her water jar. I mean, she'd just gone to get water, but she left the jar there, obviously a bit distracted now. And she went away into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She's telling others. Or Jesus set a man who'd been possessed by demons free. And it says in Mark 5, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Do you see what's going on? People are having their encounter with Jesus and then going away and telling other people. That's the impulse that should be there of following Jesus. And so I think we, as a 21st century congregation, need to get this mindset back. Now, I say get it back. I think some of you have it. Some of you are there. You're on board with this. Others... I think we just get a bit forgetful about it, maybe. We, we go on doing life. We, we've got lots of things going on. And we, we know that it's meant to be important to us. But as a front of mind, active mindset, is it there? Are we living a missionary life? Now, I think there's a good thought exercise that can help us with this. So just imagine for a moment that you'd felt God was speaking to you about going to another country as a missionary, right? So what would you do? You'd probably spend a whole bit of time preparing. You'd learn the language. You'd do all that sort of stuff. But then you make the move. You're landing in another country to be a missionary. Just think about what your life would look like. Maybe think about what your work would look like. What kind of job would you try to get and, and why? What working pattern would you want? What hours would you want? What, <coughs> how would you approach your home? Where would you choose to live and why? Where would you send your kids to school and why? What would you be doing with your free time and why? How would you invest in relationships with people around you and why? Think about the choices that you'd make. If you were putting yourself into a different context you'd probably be quite strategic about all of it. You'd be thinking it through. Everything you'd be doing for a reason, and the reason is because God's called you to be a missionary and you want to do that well. Now, at the moment, this is the country that we're living in. This is where we are. This is the place that God has us. But what would happen if we asked the same questions about our life here? What would happen if we asked the same questions about our job, our home, our free time, what we do with school with our kids? All these things, if we put them all through the framework of God's called me to his mission. Also, by the way, I say we're here. Do be praying about whether God's calling you to go. When we're talking about mission, it is a global thing. Make disciples of all nations. In Acts, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem. That's where you already are. Judea, Samaria, that's the next place nearby and the ends of the earth. So some of us will be called to, I guess the equivalent of Jerusalem for us is here. We'll be called to stay where we are, make disciples here. 
some of us will be called to the next place. And that might be planting the next site somewhere in Manchester. We had a baptisms a week and a bit ago, and we had a reddish site, which we started earlier this year, had six people from that site who'd become Christians and were getting baptised. That's incredible. And I wonder, well, why did that happen? Well, it's because some people who had been part of the Lady Barn site and a few from Gorton uh, had felt called by God, we're going to go to the next place. We're going to get to Reddish. We're going to try and reach the people in that community. And because they'd taken that step to the next place, there's six people giving their life to Jesus and getting baptised. Some of us are called to do that. We will be planting more sites. It's what we do. It's what we're about as a church. We've been talking recently about maybe Denton being the next one to go. Also, God's been speaking to us about the cities of Europe, and it's something we haven't particularly done loads with yet, but we feel there's a sense God wants us to reach some new places. Maybe God's calling you to that. The network that we're working with are also sending people to all sorts of countries, some of which there are very, very few Christians in. Really hard places, unreached places. God's calling you to that. Let's have a conversation about it. Just be open to God calling you to go somewhere else on mission. And if he doesn't, then support those who do and do mission here where you are. We're all called to mission. That's the mindset piece. Let's talk, secondly, about opportunities. I read a Lifeway study. So Lifeway is a research group. uh, And they did some surveying amongst Christians' attitudes to sharing their faith. And what their study showed was the vast majority of Christians want to share their faith and pray for opportunities to do so. But it's a much smaller number who said they were actually doing it. I don't know if you uh, recognise that tension between, I really want to do it, I'm asking God for opportunities, but I don't seem to be finding those opportunities. So how do we get opportunities to share our faith? Coming out of COVID, one of the first teaching series we did was on exactly this question, because we wanted to regalvanise people to God's mission. And we came up with this thing, some of you were around at the time and will remember it, mission, M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Each one stands for a different thing that we can put into our life that will help us have more opportunities to share our faith. So I'm going to run through what they all are with you. Anyone remember what any of them are? Yes, yes, Rich was paying attention. Good job. It was on the screen. No. 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 Wow. Even more credit to you then. <laughs> yeah, we've got it. Intercede, sharing our story. Let's run through all of them, right? M, meals together, exactly as Rich said. Now, Leslie Y said this. The act of eating meals plays a significant role in the Gospels. Jesus shared meals with all sorts of people, and there are even scholars who refer to this trend as Jesus eating his way through the Gospels. I love that little phrase. He's just kind of there having meals with everybody. But what's happening? Well, firstly, by inviting people for a meal, he's dignifying them. There's a fellowship, there's a brotherhood in that. But have you ever noticed when you have a meal with someone, it opens up different kinds of conversations. You can go deeper with people. Andy did a thing on how to share your faith this week, and he talked about there are like coffee-level conversations, which are small-talky, like little things, but then there are dinner-level conversations, and you get into the deeper stuff that's going on in your heart, and then you want to springboard from that into the gospel 
conversation. But dinner is a great opportunity to go deeper with people. So just having meals with people potentially creates these opportunities. I, the first I in it, is intercede. And it's intercede for five people. That's how we said it. We wanted to pick a number. There's a story about, uh, I think it was D.L. Moody, who, when he was a young man, wrote a list of 100 people he knew who weren't following God. And he, he committed to pray for 100 people regularly. And over the course of his life, one by one, he'd tick those people off as they came to faith. And during his life, do you know how many of them came to, to faith? 96 out of his 100 people that he'd been praying for became Christians. And then at his funeral, the other four gave their life to Jesus. <laughs> it's an amazing story. But it's an inspiring story. He was praying for them and saw God move. And we, we said, well, could we do that as a church? Maybe a hundred's a big ask, but what if we each named five people who we knew, who we could commit to praying for, regularly. I still have my five. I still pray for my five regularly. I'd encourage you to do the same. If you've stopped praying for them, start praying for them again. If you weren't around when we did this, I would encourage you, pick five people. So I'm going to pray for these people to come to know Jesus. S, the first S, is for sharing your story. You remember that guy in scripture who Jesus healed of blindness and then the Pharisees are asking him all sorts of questions. And what he says to them is, look, I don't know all that stuff. But what I do know is this. I once was blind, but now I can see. He had a story. And that story had power. Ephraim Buckle from London City Mission said, no one can contest what God has done for you. So practice sharing your story of how God's changed your life. Now, it doesn't have to be the story of how you first became a Christian. That's a good story to share, but there are others. How is God working in your life now? Tell these stories. Just tell what was it like before, what God did, and what's changed as a result. And if God's working in our lives, and as disciples, we're expecting God will be working in our lives, then we should be having these stories regularly, and we can weave them into conversation. Hey, what did you do last weekend? Well, let me tell you what happened to me last weekend. I've got a story to share. Second S is for serving practically. So meeting the needs that people have. We were having a chat in community group last week about community off the back of Andy's talk last week. And one of the things we noticed is that community and mission kind of bleed into each other. They, uh, they're connected things. Because when you're talking about loving your neighbour as yourself... Well, doing that stuff for people who aren't currently believers, that's part of mission as well. It shows something of God, and it's a good thing to do in and of itself. Second I, invite other people. This is one of the easiest ways we've got, and it's a really effective thing. Part of my testimony, I was invited to join a Christian-run football team before... I went along to any meeting with any spiritual content. But by doing that, by coming into this setting, by meeting people, it just gave a space for me to explore the questions that I had, for me to ask them, for some of my objections to be kind of resolved in my mind. So being invited in was huge for me. We can invite people. What can we invite people to? Well, if you were paying attention in the notices, you might have heard we've got an alpha coming up. That is a brilliant thing to invite people to because it's a bunch of evenings that are designed to address the questions and give space to ask the questions that people have. Think about who you can invite to Alpha. 
Or invite someone along on a Sunday. It's a friendly enough space for someone to come into. We'll make them welcome. Or maybe just a social thing where they meet some of your Christian friends. Inviting others. Second, uh, second O. There's only one O, isn't there? Oh, right. First O. Offer to pray for people. I love that story in the Bible. Peter and John, they're walking into the temple. They see a guy beside the way who, who can't walk and he's begging for money. They don't have any money, but they say, well, what we do have, we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. So they bring some healing into his life. We all have people in our lives who tell us what they need, whether it's they need healing, they need something medical changing in their life. Maybe it's a provision need, there's something going on. They need a job, they need a bit of money, whatever it might be. Maybe they need a relationship restored where it's broken. A really simple and powerful thing we can do is say, hey, I'd love to pray about that for you. And then, hey, if God answers that prayer, well, there's a conversation to have, isn't there? Like, wow, we prayed about it. And did you see how God broke through? And then the end, this is cheesy, but just bear with it. Never give up. Keep going. Be persistent. Often, coming to faith is a process. And that's okay. We're having a little chat about this before the service. It's not always one conversation completely shifts everything for someone. If one conversation resolves one question or just kind of plants a seed in someone's mind, that's fine. It can take a number of conversations and we journey with people over a long time. Mission. All these things. Now, these things in and of themselves don't make someone a Christian, But they do create the opportunities to have that conversation about what Jesus has done for them as he died on the cross for their sins. So these are all different ways that we can get more opportunities. Finally, then, we need some help from the Holy Spirit. Because I said Jesus told us two things over and over again after he rose from the dead. One is that we're called to his mission. But the second one was... I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you. And he actually said, just wait a moment. Don't start yet. You need the Holy Spirit to do this. We were never meant to be left on our own to do it. And I think for some evangelism or sharing our faith can seem intimidating because by our own strength, it's a difficult thing. But he's given us the Spirit to help us. We were never meant to do it on our own, but nor were we meant to just stay where we are and not do it. We've been filled by the Spirit so we can be sent out for him. These three weeks that we've had, devotion, community and mission, they've been a rallying call for us as a site of the church. But they mustn't simply be a call to create a nicer holy huddle to invite people into. Well, inviting's good, but for us, for Christians, it shouldn't just be mainly for new Christians um, to come in, be added to our number. No, no, it's for people who aren't Christians to find Jesus and be added. We want people saved and added. So let this be a call to step up and to step out. Andy's invited us to speak into how we can be doing this. What are some of the things that we can put into practice? So in our community groups this week, let's think about it. Let's think about how we can build more bridges into this community that we're part of. Let's think about how we can create some good spaces for people to explore and ask their questions. Let's think about how we can compellingly present Jesus to see men, women and children 
find eternal life in him. Let's think about how we can equip each of us for the mission that we have. That baptism service was great because one of the things at the CCM baptisms is we get to hear a testimony from everyone who's been baptised. And amongst the people being baptised, there was this family uh, and there were, uh, I think, four of them from the same family who were sharing their testimony. And what we heard over and over again in those testimonies was reference to two people who were part of Christchurch Manchester. That's Luke and Roslyn Roden because this family were their next door neighbours. And they were telling the story of how Luke and Roslyn have been in their life, have got to know them, have loved them, have befriended them. Then a moment came that they invited them along to a baby dedication and they came along to it and that sparked new things happening. And then they started coming to church and in that setting then they came along to a weekend away and one of them had this vision of Jesus on the weekend away and was like, wow, and became a Christian. The whole family became Christians. I found that so inspiring that this couple who faithfully lived out the mission, not doing anything particularly spectacular, but in the ordinary ways of life, loving those around them, serving those around them, sharing their life, sharing their faith, being ready to step out at the right moment, they've seen fruit for the kingdom of God. And what I thought when I heard those stories is, you know what, any of us could do that. Any of us could. We have people who are our neighbours. We have people who are our colleagues. We have people who are our friends. We can do what Luke and Roslyn did. So let's step out and do that. My prayer is we see this happening more and more. We hear more and more stories like that from us. That we get to have the joy that Luke and Roslyn had that morning of seeing those people they care deeply about, profess their faith in Jesus and come in to the kingdom of God.